And now the moment we've all been waiting for. I am Nate Riggle, and you are listening to The Way of the Bonfire. All right, this episode is an ironic one. <laughs> Welcome to the second installment of The Forgotten Secret of Creating Space. And why I say it's ironic is I've been trying to record this this podcast. The kids are in bed. I'm down in the basement. And someone keeps using the bathroom and the water coming through the walls, I guess, because my down here in the basement, like the you can hear the pipes. I keep getting this interference. And the whole purpose of the podcast today is to talk about how you create space for the things that you need in your life. And I'm <laughs> I'm having a struggle with it. But anyway, we got momentum. This is the second one in this series, the newest series. So that's something to celebrate. And, the, and today, the forgotten secret is the forgotten secret of creating space. And the purpose of this series is where we focus on reviving something amazing that seems to either be getting less prevalent or is already mostly a lost art due to the distractions and the rapid pace of the modern world that we live in. Or it's something that's easy to forget or overlook if you're not being intentional. I talk a lot about building the bonfire, that powerful radiance and strength and influence in your own mind, body, and soul, and in that of others. So we can be more impervious to the winds and the rains of life. And in fact, when those types of things come along, they actually make us stronger and brighter because of the wind. For example, if you blow on a candle, it goes out. If you blow on a brand new fire that's just getting started with a little too heavy of a breath or a billows or something, that's going to go out. But if you blow as hard as you want on a bonfire, it burns hotter and brighter. It could be a gale force wind or, or a leaf blower pointed right at that thing. It's just going to make it bigger and stronger. And this is the state we want to get ourselves and others to and keep growing. The literal equivalent of this, from my point of view, is a feeling that we are connected to what is real and good and alive and pure in ourselves. And that we can be a source of hope and enthusiasm and inspiration in others as we continue to grow that best and highest potential version of us. Today, I want to talk about a, a crucial element of igniting and growing our bonfires that's often kind of skipped over or overlooked. Because so far, I've talked about curiosity and perspective being the two main keys or sort of the foundation to getting to that fulfillment that we seek. But I want to look at another key ingredient to this recipe today. It's almost like we're backing up beyond even the foundation building and saying like, what's the ground <laughs> under the foundation? Because it's incredibly hard to have all the right conditions to invite curiosity and seek new perspectives if we don't have space or room for it in our lives. I can't tell you how many times I've been sitting at a bonfire that was starting to catch or a little campfire and someone came along and threw a bunch of leaves or paper or wet wood and they were so excited when it flared up, right? Because they saw fire and they said, oh, this is fuel. I can put it on there. 
but the nature of what that type of material leaves behind, even after it's burnt, it fills in all the gaps in the structure of the fire and it smothers it. Or they had it packed so tight to begin with that there was no room for airflow around and over it. So it couldn't have enough oxygen to grow. And I'll tell you, when I'm the builder and the tender of the fire in my backyard space that I created, people in my world know that they need to ask if they could put something in it or on it, especially as it's first getting built, because I know what will help and what will actually make things worse. I've recently been learning and focusing on this discipline in my life as well. And I'm astounded by how creating space and being intentional about what we put into or allow others to put into our lives is the most powerful way to grow. So what do I mean by space in our lives or room for things? I can give examples of my life where I've, I had smothered it or I allowed others to smother it or pack it too tightly. The idea of space has looked different at stages of life at different stages of life. So so it's going to be very unique to each person. But as a test of whether you might need space, if you're feeling like you can't think your own thoughts, I know that sounds funny, but in a coherent way, but you used to be able to, or you don't have much or any control of your own days and what you do throughout the day. You can't, Connect with the people you love beyond just scheduling and discussing what's next. You can't get to any really important thing that's definitely important to you and matters most in your life. Then it's time to take inventory and move some things and change the order and how you have everything structured. And I have it organized into 10 categories because it says the forgotten secret. And that's what we do on, on the forgotten secret series. We get, we get a top 10 list and these categories we can use to examine at any point where we might need to create space and allow your fire to breathe. The common element, if you just kind of take one overarching principle for this and all of these categories is that we need to take time to identify where space is lacking and then have a plan of action to get it back. And not just have a plan, but to, act, to, to go and, and consistently try because it does, it, this is a tough one. It takes effort and it takes sometimes hard conversations, sometimes frustration, but the payoff, my goodness, <laughs> I've seen some amazing payoff from, from being willing to do this and get uncomfortable um, and try to make it happen. Number one, Space in your physical environment. For example, for this podcast, I've realized that based on my current state in life, it's hard to find silence for even 15 minutes where I'm awake and not passing out, right? From from being tired from the day. So I would ask you the same. Can you find silence even for 15 minutes in your life? And and if you can, maybe you don't have all the same circumstances and situations with kids and, you know, 
being in, in it, maybe you're out in a rural space, but have you planned for it? For that silent space, physical space in your life? And if you have planned for it, can it be interrupted beyond your ability to control it? And I'm not talking about when you're on the toilet or the shower, because those are just, those are necessary things and they're going to happen. And yeah, you can be intentional in those places, but really those are just, you know, men usually get in trouble for being on the toilet for too long. It's, I don't think it's good for you either. And the shower, you know, you're, it's, it's a good place to actually just let your mind wander and, and have, you know, kind of free range on your thoughts. But it, I think it's also good to have a, a place that you can dedicate or at least count on for some focus, some quiet, some meditation, for getting some work done in a way that's that allows you to breathe and think and have your own your own thoughts. And I've, with this podcast thing, I've tried, sometimes the car is the best place, but then, you know, experimenting with all these things, there's, there's usually a challenge, right? The cars, sometimes it's, um, you know, there's somebody mowing the lawn or, or there's planes flying overhead. Even if I'm parked out in nature, I like the car just because of the acoustics and the, and the little protection from the elements and a little bit of isolation to, to do this particular thing in my life that I'm, I'm building on. But sometimes it just isn't the right, the right place, right? The basement, I just explained what was happening the first few times I tried to record this. And I just didn't feel like editing so many times when all the water kept coming down. So I had to keep starting over. But, I, you know, I talked to my wife. I said, look, I, I just need a little bit of time. And so it does take conversations. You could go to a cafe to get some work done. A lot of people do that and love that, especially in the in the uppity places. <laughs> Sorry, no offense. Um, a lot of writers and things like to go to a cafe, feel that that vibe, rinsing that energy from everybody else around them and, and everything. So if that works, that's that's great. I tried it. Um, and it does work for me sometimes. I, you know, a library is another idea. Um, a, a university, you know, sometimes they have rooms for free. Like you don't have to spend a bunch of money to have to be able to create more space in your physical environment. Um, the office works sometimes. Uh, I tried even ask if, uh, you know, if I could go to a friend's house, you know, who doesn't have too much going on um, noise wise. And it got a little awkward. So I decided against that. You know, in the summertime, nature works really well. But right now it's it's getting cold. And even if it, I have a quiet place, I, I don't want to do it freezing cold. And I don't, I don't have protection from the elements. So I've been experimenting with all these things. I finally just said, you know what? I'm going to get this little internal office. Yeah, it costs some money to do it. But four walls, a place to just be a little bit isolated from everything and not have all these, these external distractions. And that's been working pretty well for certain types of work, but on the physical environment side, I would just encourage you to, to think like, how can I create more space there? 
to be more intentional and about my work, my life, like the things that I want to do. This number two is physical health, space for physical health. And this one's sneaky in how we lose space because it would seem like a no brainer that we would just always create space here, right? Our, our health matters. Like this is our body. This is our, if we don't have, if we're not healthy, then we're not gonna be able to do all the other things and we won't be able to create space anywhere for ourselves. But the reason it's sneaky is because in our teens and twenties, it's actually a little easier to think we have this under control. So if there are any younger listeners, I understand that, that it might seem easy now, but it can sneak up on you pretty quick. So take this wisdom. If, if you're one of those up and comers who's curious and trying to figure things out um, ahead of time, I praise you for that <laughs> uh, because I got some great wisdom to lay on you here. And the reason it seems easier in your teens or your 20s, early 20s, to, that to not need the space for, for physical health is because our bodies are often not showing any signs of a problem. Hopefully, hopefully that's the case. If, if you have conditions or whatever, you know, I'm sorry. And maybe, maybe that's, this is a perfect topic for you right now to think, how can I create more physical health space for my physical health? Um, but the majority of young people just, you know, they, they may do a little more working, out and watching nutrition and hygiene with the goal to be more attractive or maybe sports and school keep discovered in those years because you've got a coach and structure and um, you could do a conditioning and maybe even your coach is even asking you to, to think about, you know, the things that you eat so that you could be strong and, um, and run further and, be stronger for, for the sport that you're in. And then we see that in those years, the, the space that we have in our lives and we, because we're not having to actively think about it and we fill this additional space that we have because we're not blocking more out for health with the pursuit of success or fun or entertainment or duty to others, because that's what you do in those, in those years. And that those pursuits gobble up more and more of our goals and our time. And we get incredible over time at saying, I don't have time for healthy activities today. I will deal with that if it becomes a problem. And then when it does, and we start to feel it and see it in ourselves, we, we, we commiserate and we justify it with others dealing with health issues like ours. And, and we just rationalize that it's part of getting old or that we'll start working on making time for it next week. And then next week is always next week or always tomorrow. And then a crisis strikes and we decide all we're going to do now is just make all of our space and time and focus on health or most of it. Cause we got to, we got to make up for lost, lost ground. And this snuck up on us either to, to get well or to avoid the grief it's causing by seeing others go through it. And then we hear about the latest way 
And this is, this is where things kind of turn sideways again, as we hear about the latest way to skip the fundamentals of health and not need to focus as much time on it because there's a new drug or a diet or a workout system, you get shredded or whatever it is that doesn't require the same amount of space or time or kind of more rigor or discipline on an ongoing basis to arrive at the same result. We care too much about seeing the rapid outcomes and we don't make it a daily thing. So even if we have a good run on some program, it doesn't become a habit or a way of life. The only way to make space for this and keep it is to do something now, like right now, not tomorrow. And that's like how we have to think every day. And that might look like talking with your family and friends about this change and putting it on the calendar and having someone check in with you, a personal trainer, a friend, an accountability partner, whatever it is. Or it may just look like just getting up and stretching right this second while you're listening to the podcast. So at least you're doing something and getting into that kind of that different headspace to make the space for for physical health. And this one, honestly, it's still looming over me, but I, I look forward to sharing some progress. And I know I need more space here. I've been working on the other nine items, a little more than this one, but I've, I've put some things in place to, to start doing this. And I'm, I'm excited to share, you know, more wisdom on that as I, as I attain it and, and more qualified to talk about it, but I can at least talk about how, how it creeps up on you. Number three. Mental space and habits. And this one, I have a lot more recent experience and have gone the rounds with a, a few times. So a little more credibility here, but th- think about today or yesterday or tomorrow. When you woke up, what was the first input in your mind? Did it come from someone else or your phone or your own automatic just mental habits and triggers that you've fallen into? How did that affect How did that input affect your mood, your outlook on the rest of the day? Have you thought about that recently? From the time the day started to the moment you fell asleep, what was your mind doing? Was it something you chose to put into your mind or was it automatic? How about the rest of your day? What items did you decide to do that took up your mental space? What items did others or your own lack of planning and intention demand you to use your willpower and emotional bandwidth to handle? How much of that, of these things that you're thinking about is the same every single day? How did it get that way? Was it by accident, just based on how things happened to you? Or was it on, like, did you design it? Was it on purpose? Was it, do you like how it is? When you decided to say or do something, was it a reaction to something that triggered it? Because for me, I, I had left a lot of little things in my mind that made it like a messy room. Because I was just charging forward. Just I don't know if I'd call it drifting. I would call it just charging forward, just going and getting it. And I've talked about this before, but it, but I wasn't paying attention to what, what was accumulating. 
I wasn't doing as enough maintenance on my own mental state. And, and I'd gotten used to just navigating around the mess, which allowed me to add a little more mess each day. <laughs> when I was willing finally to admit that there was a mess to be cleaned up, I felt my mind start to work properly again. And it's crazy because you don't realize how far you've come, you've drifted off course or how messy things have gotten until you do this. And it's been so beautiful and surprising to let my mind do what it was designed for, which is not for hiding trash and baggage and resentment and grudges and fear and doubt and drama in some hidden room. <laughs> I recommend getting some help to clean up your messes on a regular basis. That's how you create the space. I tried doing it on my own and it's just not a by yourself type of thing. Number four, space on the calendar. Woo, this one's a tough one for me. Do you, do you have a plan for the rest of your day? What about the rest of the week? How much influence did you have on what is anywhere in your calendar? <laughs> It's crazy how if you don't think about this enough, and I'm not talking about your work calendar. I'm talking about your life calendar, which that includes your work calendar. But if you just look at the calendar of your life, which should comprise everything, how much of what happened when you had open space on there if any, did you just agree to fill at the last minute based on someone else's wants and will and agenda? Now, I struggle with this one. It's uncomfortable to me for lots of reasons. But I can see that the false limiting belief I have or, or have had here is the idea that overplanning eliminates creativity is what I told myself, and that the structure of it is restrictive. I also didn't like that it seemed like this focus on just planning everything to the nth degree is a platitude to keep people doing their job and behaving the way someone expected them to. I now am seeing that these were all wrong and that avoiding the thing that I was afraid of was causing... The very outcome I was trying to prevent. <laughs> I also think my ADHD is not and has never been my friend here, but I'm so much more than a than a disorder, a diagnosis, and the challenges from that specifically are being mastered and addressed and turned into strengths instead of used as a crutch. Number five, space for personal agency and freedom. How often, and this is kind of connected to the calendar space, but slightly different. How often do you decide what your day-to-day -day looks like? Like what your normal, like what would you do from any moment to the next? How often is it dictated by someone else or quote-unquote necessity or back-to-back, -back, again, quote-unquote urgent urgencies or emergencies to the point where you are not in charge of your own ship or your own soul anymore. This is something that I've found takes baby steps. 
And maybe there's a way to do it faster. I'm open to it, to that. I would love for that to be the case. And and a lot, but I, I think it does take, at the very least, a lot of c- communication and coaching to find space and expand in this area without causing some conflict. Because your brain, it doesn't want you to make too many changes too fast. And neither do the people around you. Unless you've found a way to create this perfect you know, group of people that are just whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> it's uncomfortable and sometimes perversely painful to work towards having more autonomy and ownership of your life. But in the steps that I've taken most recently and trying to create this more space here, the pain and, and the discomfort is outweighed by the benefit by a long shot. And I'm just not willing to ever stop striving for this for myself and my loved ones. It's not just about me. It's about creating, expanding freedom and agency for, and choice for, for everybody in my circle. Because they're such, those things are such an amazing thing. And I think we're supposed to grow them. Although conventional wisdom tells you to just narrow them, pick a specialty, do it this way, do it the way it's always worked and always been done. And listen to the all the voices telling you to to not break break the mold here. But I think that that's there's something flawed and f- there's a farce in there somewhere. Number six. Spiritual space. How much time do you spend each day getting inspired or grounded and aware of yourself and what state you're in from a spiritual standpoint in your in your place and your relationship to everything and to God? It's crazy to me how every time I come back to this and make the adjustment and saying, I keep putting this one on the back burner. And making it a nice to have or like the last thing that I do. But every time I come back to this one, creating spiritual space and increasing my relationship to God and getting to know this being, it's crazy how every time I come back to that, being the and turning it into the top priority again, everything else seems to be so much easier to balance. I've made the mistake of deprioritizing this one so many times. Like an Alzheimer's patient, like just, it just, it's like, why am I surprised that everything seems to be out of order again when I don't put that one first? So I'm committed to to not doing, not being an idiot as much and putting that one last. And it's been helping immensely. Number seven is creating space for family. Now, this one is also tricky because it isn't as much about increasing the quantity of time in physical proximity. And I tried to do this. I, I thought like, oh, as long as I'm here with my, my wife and my kids is more. 
then that'll just automatically increase the connection. But that the quantity isn't the space on this one. It's part of it's 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 a it's a part of it, right? You can't just have zero zero time together. But it's more about connection and quality and love and acceptance and understanding and respect and encouragement and forgiveness when you have the fam- the, the time with family. We can waste the space we created for family if we don't focus on those things. And I am often, and I say this, I feel like I'm saying this on every, every podcast, but I am often guilty as charged. And I have made the mistake of trying to let quantity of time be the only rule. It doesn't work. Number eight, space in your field of attention. Now, this is pretty tactical and, and strategic here, but if you think about the way that, that your attention can be shifted that didn't come from you even if you're trying you're kind of trying to like be really intentional about where you put your attention I'm going to run through seven things really quickly notifications on your phone I recommend silencing most of them go through and figure out all right, which ones of these do I really need to be pinging my phone all the time? Like, can I, can I get it down to like one or two things, like maybe text messages? And on that front, texts have you have you decided whether these deserve a, a look over any everything anything else when you get a text message? Any contact do they do they get to to just take precedence because it's pinging on your phone, vibrating in your pocket, every single contact, no matter who texts you, or are there maybe two or three people that text you that you'll look at no matter what? Do you get random phone calls? Probably. Most of us do. And I have rules for myself for those. You know, if I've if I've started to create times in my day where I say, "All right, I'm blocking this time off." I may even put it on do not disturb for an hour, especially if I'm in a meeting or something. And a, a good rule of thumb that seems to work is, you know, if some if somebody really needs to get a hold of you, they should know that they. You know, they if they ring me twice, if I don't answer the first time, and then they call again, I'm going to pick it up. But I might not answer the first time, especially depending on where I am and where I'm going, what I'm going to be doing. But if it's two calls in a row, then I know that's emergency, and I'm I'm answering that phone. Invites to other. And this is where it gets kind of crazy. So, invites again in the space of your field of attention. So. Invites to other family members. So say you put up all these these kind of guardrails and roadblocks, but you still got your family and other people 
And just because they can't reach you doesn't mean that these people or these agendas won't won't reach you. And if you don't have a plan, it will take take space up. People can call my wife and tell them tell her, look, we got this party coming up. Or you know, my kids saying, Hey, I got invited to this bake sale. Whatever it is, I I can't completely insulate myself from that. And so we have to have a plan and an understanding of how we'll, we'll when we have all these incoming items as a as a team or a group, how we're going to respond to them. Same thing with this river of social, I call it a river because that's what social media is now. It's just kind of like this river with different things floating on it. And it affects people around you. Even if you turn off social media, it does not mean that you have cleared the mechanism. It's like a river that will find you through everyone else that it touches. So you have to have a plan to not let its influence flood you against your will. Because everybody's, there's so many, everything's connected and everybody's near that river at some point. And if you don't have some way to create space from that or rules on how to engage with what's coming from social media, then it it will flood your house, even if it's miles away, right? I'm not going to go too too in depth on that, but I think that's a good principle to at least think about. Any advertisement. Like maybe you love watching, like, you know, I'm a big Eagles fan. Always have been. But I still have to watch the, the ads. You can't escape them with football. Like you can with some streaming stuff. My father, you know, I've talked about some of the books my father wrote. One's called Taking the Mystery Out of Marketing. And in that book, he talks about um, share of, like, that marketing and reaching people is not about trying to get the share of their wallet always or the share of the market, but, but share of mind is the term that he uses. That's how those things are. These, these different forms of advertisements are designed. They're designed to get a piece of your mind. And if you, you don't have to consent to giving them a share of your mind, as long as you decide ahead of time that, what you're going to be interested in and not interested in and what's going to be a relevant ad and what isn't. You cannot avoid them, but you can be the master of your own mind and know thyself and be mindful of their impact on your thought space and your time spent and the actions that you take because of, of advertisements. The one I haven't hit yet is a big one and it's, it's your email inbox or messaging apps, whether it's Slack or Gchat or or whatever it is. I recommend just Googling like how to, how to cut down my inbox, the the distractions from my inbox. I'm not going to do a whole spiel on that, but usually what that looks like is, you know, you do a search, you unsubscribe from all those things. You can unsubscribe from a lot of things at once. You can delete them, archive them. It's okay. You don't need to save all that stuff. Consider taking, if it's a messenger app that you have on your desktop at work, consider taking the app off of your phone. And I know 
that that makes you probably have start to have a panic attack just thinking about missing out on like important messages and that's how your team operates but times that i've tried it i didn't see a very big issue with not responding to a slack message or whatever it was right away number nine space in the way you serve this one's nuanced as well because sometimes i've gotten so good at thinking that i could do everything and help anyone as soon as i knew they had a need that i got to a point where i was not serving anyone including myself at least not in a loving and caring and fulfilling way and my service when i got to that point because i was just trying to do everything as, as quickly as possible that's how i was being trained to just respond to everything, you know, within a, a couple of minutes, uh, you know, within an hour, and no matter what it was, and saying yes to everything and just being Superman for everybody. And my service actually became, because I didn't have space or an intentional design in the way that I would accept it and commit to it, my service actually became a disservice due to what it did to my bonfire it became, I, I was not radiating. I, I was doing all this with resentment in my heart and just saying, why am I being just pulled in all these different directions? And it didn't feel like service anymore, even though I was taking care of these, uh, everybody I was feeding, as they say, feeding all the baby birds. <laughs> it was overwhelming and terrible. But if you, if you're intentional about like, here's how I am going to serve and here's how I'm willing to serve. And if you want my help and you want to make a request, just just do it this way and it will be it'll be great great for all of us. That's creating space in the way you serve. And number 10, in your space in your interests. It's easy to say we don't have time or budget or energy for something, but I encourage anyone to take a closer look at the interests they have and how much time and energy and budget they use on them and consider that streaming services like Netflix or, you know, rolling through reels on Instagram or YouTube or, you know, it's great. And I love watching shows and movies and playing video games as much as anyone out there. Trust me. But is it taking up space for something that I would enjoy even more? Now, this is number, this is the first half of this one. There's two pieces. The question is, is it taking up space for something that I would enjoy even more that would have a bigger and better lasting payoff. Okay, but it's my way of winding down, of course. And that's not that's not the problem. I'm actually all for prioritizing play and fun and entertainment and relaxation and rest, especially when we really need it. The tricky part here is that some things like in this category are designed to use human nature and exploit our beautiful gift of curiosity and cheapen it in a way that hogs as much of our space and attention as it can. And what I'm talking about is whatever, if you're on Netflix or Disney or what, any one of the, the hundred streaming services that have branched out, if you're watching the show, most of them, most shows are going to have a cliffhanger at the end of the episode. It's using your curiosity. Like you just 
You have to know what happens next, especially when you're tired and you're quote unquote winding down. It's actually amping you back up. It winds you down and amps you back up at the next at the next episode. And you just want to, you know, if it's a video game, it's the next level. You just, oh, I just want to see what happens on the next level. Or I'm only three actions away from this. You know, if it's a gamified app, I'm only three actions away from this achievement. And I want to get this badge. Or if it's a movie, that, oh, they put this this plot twist in there. And then there's marketing teasers and spinoffs. <laughs> when you finally think you finished a season or some show and you, and you get a break, then there's all of a sudden this surprise, great news, we've got a spinoff coming out right now. And there's sequels to movies and the, and the ease of jumping right into the next one with no input or effort or waiting. I think we like to obsess and explore and complete things. But that part of our nature needs to be pointed in the right direction. And we have to snap out of the trance to do that. My, my aim is not to try to figure out how much I have lost from these ploys and my own vice and addictive tendencies and human nature, but to find a way to take so much back with the time that I have left. It's about being conscious and saying, I don't think I'll take more than I need here, whatever the interest is. I will engineer my own achievements and badges and momentum on things that have a bigger payoff. If it's controlling you, it's restricting your space and using up your oxygen and energy. If you're, if you are defaulting to something every day that feels like it's numbing the pain of the day, just try to skip it twice this week. I think you'll see that there will be space to try something better there to interrupt the pattern and the habit. And you might be surprised how much it opens your eyes and changes your week for the better. And that's momentum, baby. We, that's what we're looking for. We want to, to, to shift out of the inertia that's keeping us in the same place and start getting the momentum so that this object goes in more motion, this, that, that is us and our soul. And I'm, I'm on a quest to have the right fuel in the fire and make sure that it can always breathe. And it is not easy to create space. But what I'm noticing is that the more I work on having a better structure, the easier it gets to maintain. So it's hard at first, but once you build it right, it, it starts to get a little easier to do, to do it every day. And I hope this gave you a new tool in your arsenal today and that you go and find and make space and rebuild the fire in a way that invites growth. Go get them. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. Every single time I do this, I get a little more fired up and my bonfire grows a little bit more. If you're feeling the same way and like you got value out of this, would you do me a favor? And go onto the show page in your Spotify or Apple podcast or wherever you're listening to this and leave a rating and click follow. That way you never miss another episode of the show and it helps me immensely to keep the momentum and keep bringing the good stuff for you. We'll see you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks.